John writes, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. So we've been working on this sermon series where we've been thinking about life and life eternal because John records in this sixth chapter of John this very long conversation where Jesus is teaching the people about eternal life. And he's speaking about himself being the bread of life, the living bread, the one through whom God is working to offer eternal life to all the people. But as we come to the end of the chapter, we run into a problem. After Jesus has gone over and over this teaching about eternal life, there's still a group of detractors They are not believing. They're not buying what Jesus is saying. People are leaving. People are abandoning Him. John makes it very clear. He says it straight out in verse 66. Because of this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer went about with Him. From the very beginning of this Jesus movement that we are a part of, John makes clear that some believed and some stayed and others did not believe and they left. They walked away. They decided to go another direction. It's been happening since the very beginning of the Christian movement. Pastors find this interesting because all of us have experienced being moved to a new church and some of the people there liked the previous pastor better and so they left. Or they didn't like how a person preached or what they said or how they interacted and they decided it was better to go another way. And so it's comforting in some ways for pastors to see, oh, it happened to Jesus too. Not bad company. We still do not desire it. We prefer everyone stay. And yet it is interesting to notice in John that this has been happening for centuries. It happened in the first century. It happened in the second century. It happened in the last century. It's happening in this century. Some people stay and some people don't. Researchers have found in the last 50 years as they have studied people's behavior in relationship to church attendance in America that advertisers have taught us to be really good shoppers and to expect to find something that fits our preference. And they begin to note that that influences the way we look at church. We're looking for something we really like. We've become, some say, church shoppers where we're going from place to place trying to find something that fits our preconceived notions of what faith should be about. 
trying to find the gospel product that matches what we want to hear. For those of us who watch the American church scene, we see the shopping mentality begin to invade who we are as people of faith and people moving from church to church to church trying to find just the right flavor they want to be a part of. But it is a voluntary organization. It's part of the genius of our country that our founders saw that freedom of religion was a really important thing for people to thrive and for a country to do well. They believed it was important to have a separation of church and state. So we don't have to go to church. We don't have to go to any particular church. We can go sometimes and skip other times and no one in the government says a word to us because we have the freedom of religious expression and we can organize ourselves and worship in whatever style with whatever music that we want to choose. It's a great blessing, in fact, that we have this freedom that I think often people take for granted and forget how precious and rare that it really is. And yet as we look at church attendance and church participation and the growth of one church over another, a recent poll found when they were asking adults in America if they'd ever changed their religious preference during their adult lifetime, 42% of them said, oh yes, I have changed. So we exercise our freedom of religion and expression a good deal in the United States of America. And I understand, I haven't always been a pastor. I sat in a pew for years. It's hard to sit there when you think the preacher is dull or you think they're wrong. You don't like the way they present. It's so easy to decide, I don't need that. And either quit altogether or go someplace else. I understand the difficulty of that. As a district superintendent, week in and week out, I sat in a pew listening to other preachers. Some of them did well. A lot of them did not. And it was hard to sit there. I didn't have to go back the next week. I had to go to another church. <laughs> Gave me a little more leeway than maybe you feel. But I understand it can be difficult to make the commitment and then stay with it through the ups and downs of church life. But it can be a blessing that you can go where you feel you're best led and fed as a Christian. We have guests come through these doors every week into worship. People we have not met before that are wondering if this might be the place for them. If this might be the church where they would feel best led and fed, where they could continue their spiritual journey, where they could grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. They're on a search. And we try to welcome them and value them as they come and hope and pray for them that they can find a place where truly they feel they can meet and connect with God. And if this be the place, we rejoice with them when they join the church and make a commitment. Of course, this freedom of religion raises some temptations as well. We know from research... More and more Americans are deciding they don't need any kind of church participation. They're on a spiritual journey, but they're not interested in gathering with a group. 
They're not interested in making a commitment and saying, I'll be there every week. I'm a part of this. I will be there for you. You'll be there for me. We will be in this together. Lots of people deciding that's not part of their spiritual journey. Of course, there's also the temptation that if you hear something you don't like or you have a dispute with someone in a group, that rather than living through the discomfort and allowing God to give you opportunity to grow as a disciple, that you walk away. Sometimes that's the best choice. Other times, perhaps the best choice is to stay and see what God might do when we make commitment to love one another in the body of Christ, when we walk together through those ups and downs. Certainly these early disciples became uncomfortable. The things Jesus was saying, for some of them, was just beyond the pale. They could not tolerate it. But I think even for those who stay, they struggle to understand all that He's saying that God is doing in and through Him. John writes, as the many hear Jesus teaching about these things, they turn back, as John says, and follow Him no longer. They're no longer going to be a disciple of this Jesus. And it's interesting to note how John handles this as he observes what Jesus does. Jesus allows them to go. He honors their choice to participate or not. He doesn't go after them. He doesn't say bad things about them. John tells us what Jesus does in verse 67 after the many leave. He asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Do you also wish to go away? He's not sure if they're going to stay or not. His focus is on those who are closest to Him and are still present. But He recognizes they're going to have to make a decision as well. They have to make their own decision whether or not they're going to be followers of His. And that's been true throughout the generations. That each and every generation and each and every one of us have to make a decision whether or not we're going to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ or not. We have lots of other choices, lots of other options these days of what to do on a Sunday morning or how to behave throughout the week or where our commitments are going to be in terms of how we use our time and talents. We have to make a decision for faith if we're going to be a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, here at Boston Avenue, we are honoring those who have found this to be a good place to be a disciple of Jesus Christ for 50 or more years. We're honoring that love and loyalty and devotion because it brings such strength. As an ordained pastor, we get moved around. On average, Methodist pastors still get moved about every four years. So I marvel at folks who have found a place to grow as a disciple and have put down roots and been there for 50 or more years. How amazing is that kind of commitment? What a remarkable testimony to their commitment to a place like this. 
For those here at Boston Avenue, our pastors have not moved as often, and yet still, if you've been here 50 or more years, you've had at least five different senior pastors. I know they are not all alike. I know you don't like them all the same. I know you don't grow the same. Some like this one, some like that one. Some really feel close to this one and not so much to this one. But these who have been here for 50 or more years have decided this is the place. They're going to be here. They're going to worship here. They're going to study here. They're going to be a part of this fellowship. They're going to grow as a Christian and serve in the name of Christ with the help of this body of Christ. I think those kind of people are the muscle and the sinew of any congregation because you can see they have a clear commitment. Their loyalty and love of Christ and of Boston Avenue has added strength and vitality to this congregation through the years, year after year, because they are willing to be present here and to serve here and to use the gifts that God has given them in this place through this congregation. For those of you who are in that group of 50 or more years, we are delighted that you are here. We're so glad that you've decided that you can make a contribution here and that you can make a difference and that this congregation can make a difference in your life as well. It is a testimony to us all. It really is a witness. As I was talking to people yesterday, we had a brunch for those who could come who had been here 50 or more years. And I continued to hear this theme that they said, oh, there's no place we would rather be. This is the place for us. This is where we raised our kids, or this is where my parents brought me, and then I brought my kids, and our grandkids are here. We want to be here. What a beautiful witness to the life and vitality of this place for those families. It echoes what Simon Peter says when Jesus asks them, do you want to go away? And Simon Peter says, oh no, we have come to believe. We have come to believe you are the Holy One of God. We need witnesses like that who have come to believe, who will proclaim it to others because we know Christian faith dies if new ones are not coming in every generation. On this Legacy Sunday, we also celebrate those families that have three or more generations here because in them we see the life of Christ alive through the decades. We can see the difference faith has meant and the lives of those families that continue to come and participate who are able to be here generation after generation. It's become a thing that's ever more rare. You know, if you think back 100, 150 years ago in America, so many families living on farms, multi-generations living together, grandparents living here, parents next door with the kids, sometimes three, four generations all living, farming and working together. But for most of them, they also worshiped together. So almost every church had at least three generations, sometimes four, right there in one little rural church. So little ones saw faith being lived out across the age spectrum. But as America has grown and become more urbanized and more mobile, so many of our smaller churches no longer have four generations or three or two 
Many of them are down to one as the numbers in rural America dwindle, as the young people do not come back, cannot find jobs. But we're so privileged that we have so many multi-generational families. You saw them standing. What a wonder it is that here at Boston Avenue, we have such a great visible reminder of how faith gets passed on one generation to the next and then to the next. We encourage that, whether it's in music like the choir today or education or mission in all parts of the church. We look for opportunities. We design opportunities for the generations to participate together. The mission and service project that's happening this afternoon in our Jubilee Hall is for all ages. There'll be activities and parts of that mission experience that all ages can do so the generations can be together within the body of Christ serving in His name. How wonderful it is. I mean, I don't know if there's anything more precious than when a family comes with multiple generations bringing the newest child in their family for baptism and they make a commitment to raise this little one in the faith and then we all make a commitment to surround the family and the child with a community of love and forgiveness so that they can learn how to walk in the way that leads to life. So they can learn what life in Christ is all about just by being here amongst us. How wonderful it is to get to be a part of that, to see that happen. Or when children or youth come and lead in worship and have that opportunity to sing or to read a scripture or say a prayer and they're surrounded by multi-generations worshiping with them they get a glimpse of what the body of Christ is all about. We love it when we have so many generations coming together. We want all ages to join with Simon Peter and say, oh, we have come to believe. We have come to believe. It's so wonderful to be a part of someone else's experiences of coming to faith. I think that's what we're really all about here at Boston Avenue is sharing the love that has endured here through the ages. The spirit of wanting to share the love of God in Christ with somebody else. I think that's what we're all about here at Boston Avenue. Telling people about the Lord of love. We want to love people into the family of God. We want to love people into the family of Christ. We want to love people into this part of the family of Christ we call Boston Avenue. Over these last several weeks, John has reported to us that Jesus says it's so important to recognize that God is at work in the world. But more than that, he says it's important to recognize that God is at work in me, is what Jesus said to those who would listen. God is at work for eternal life. And life abundant, that's the offer, Jesus says. But in that brief text we read today, we see also that Jesus is giving each one of us an opportunity to make a decision, to make a commitment, to say, I've come to believe. I want to be a follower of Christ. You can count on me. During this 125th anniversary year, let us take up the mantle of 
faith and devotion that so many have carried before us. Let us take up the mantle of love and loyalty and commitment so that this place might continue to thrive. Let us be the people known as those who love people into the life, life abundant and life eternal, as Jesus says, that God offers us in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful year when all of us pick up that mantle of love and say, I have come to believe. Count on me. Amen.